This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. My name is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Lendit Fintech, and joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, Todd Anderson. How are you doing, Todd? I'm good, Peter. How are you? Doing great. And our special guest for the first time, uh, Kim Gerhardt from the Fintech Interactive. Why don't you do a quick intro of yourself, Kim? Sure. Well, Peter and Todd, thank you so much um, for bringing me on. Um, my name is Kim Gerhardt. I'm um, part of the FinTech Interactive, which is something that I launched about a year ago. Um, but I have a lot of experience within strategy consulting as well as um, financial services. Um, over this past year, I've been doing a lot of work, um, it, you know, working with um, operators within in the industry uh, with regards to collections, um, fair lending, uh, credit scoring, machine learning, and AI. So I'm doing a lot of strategy consulting work with growth strategies and then also advising fast-growing fintechs. So keeping busy. I feel very fortunate. It sounds like it. Yes, indeed. So, okay, let's launch right into it. We First first news item I want to talk about is a, an announcement from Brex. We all know Brex for the you know their corporate card that was originally for startups. Now it's for it's for large companies as well. They've done you know they've they've done extremely well. They're worth north of ten billion dollars and haven't been around very long. But uh, they and so their their revenue has been interchange. That's basically been their revenue model. Um, but that is about to change. We saw they had a, there was an article in TechCrunch talking about Brex Empower, which is a software as a service product that's really it's still about you know expense management and that sort of thing but uh it's um it marks a, a shift for one of the the fintech leaders uh, thoughts uh clearly they've moved away from just the startup <clears throat> angle mm-hmm. uh, which is where they started and i mean it's, it's a natural evolution to move beyond the corporate card into what they call i think in the release the fintech operating system uh, and moving on to more enterprise clients. Um, and so it, it seems to be a natural evolution of where they are and where they were uh, to kind of where they're going, which is more of a full service offering uh, to not only startups, but to large uh, enterprise clients. So it's a kind of a natural evolution for them. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I mean, I think that they're growing in different ways. Um, they're growing with their customer base, you know, as the startups are scaling, you know, they are going upstream and DoorDash is just a huge example of going really, really upstream. Um, <clears throat> but also too, what, what we've been seeing or what I've been seeing in the small business space is that it does make sense to kind of expand into other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cash flow and cash flow management is so critical to a startup. Um, you want to see where you are, what your burn rate is. Um, expense management is stuff that's happening in the market. There's a number of players that are already doing that. Um, and it's a very fragmented market. And I think it's very, very competitive, but I think it, it just, it clearly shows that, that Brex is really focused on, on its customer, um, and the needs of its customer, because, you know, that fuller picture is, is so important. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And to get you know, a company like DoorDash, which is, you know, a sizable, yes, yes, some sizable company that is. Pro- I'm sure they got a great deal being sort of the marquee first client, but uh, mm-hmm. is a, gives them an idea of the t- types of companies they're going after. And also then also shows too, uh, uh, interchanges is, is uh, you're capped at what you can do with interchange as your main source of revenue. And clearly we've seen others that are in the consumer facing business, the chimes of the world begin to diversify away from interchange being the only thing uh, that focus uh, in terms of revenue for them. And so it's a, it's also a natural move there to diversify revenue sources. And also too, subscription revenue is valued huge within the market. Just having that recurring subs, you know, subscriptions, the market um, values that very yep. strongly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. That that'll help when they when they go public. Eventually. When they go public. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about Circle, um, the maker of USDC stable coins. They had a big um, a big round, or they've announced. It doesn't look like it hasn't closed yet, but they've announced it, so it's probably a done deal. Uh, Four hundred million dollars from BlackRock, Fidelity. Marshall Waste and Fin Capital. Um, it's interesting because Circle have announced a, a SPAC that were a few months back now, and um, apparently well, a few still going in that <laughs> exactly. It's um, you know it's still on track supposedly valuation of nine billion dollars. We haven't heard. I mean, we don't know if this valuation was exactly that or or what, but um, you know. Circle uh, have become really one of the leaders in the in mm-hmm. the crypto space, and uh, you know the money the money keeps flowing in. Yeah, certainly to crypto, and and you know the more, and I know we'll talk about BlackRock more in in a couple of minutes, but you know the names like BlackRock, Fidelity, uh, and others that are involved in the round continue to give crypto the stamp of approval that institutional capital and institutional uh, brands um, and also helps in probably the next year or one to three years with regulatory issues. Yep. If Fidelity is involved, if BlackRock's involved, if mm-hmm. JP Morgan Chase is involved and others, it is infinitely easier to craft legislation and regulation than it would be if they were still on their own and still dealing with you know either you know, crypto hedge funds or crypto funds in general as the only sources of capital. This is large institutional players that are now saying crypto is is something we all need to pay attention to and that our clients want us to begin to pay attention to. And it feels like, you know, the market is is looking at this particular staple coin as, as one to, to trust, um, you know, which is amazing. And, and this round of funding, it's definitely going to be fueling you know future growth um it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out yep yep for sure so let's talk about blackrock then because there was a wall street journal article i think it was just yesterday that um you know larry fink um talked about uh blackrock is uh you know talk about the circle the circle deal um apparently blackrock has been managing the treasury reserve or some of the treasury reserves of circle and based on their fundraising, they've got significant amount of reserves to manage. Um, they expect to be managing more of it as time goes on. And they're, they're really, quote, direct quote from Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, we are increasingly seeing interest from our clients in crypto. So that's, um, 
you know, BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, I think the last time is just a hair under $10 trillion mm-hmm. is what they're actually managing. So, um, and, you know, USDC, second largest stable coin, really, uh, you know, a lot of people think they're more, <laughs> they're more stable, shall we say, than Tether, mm-hmm. which is the leading stable coin. But, uh, you know, BlackRock, you can't get a, you can't get a bigger stamp of approval than BlackRock, right, if you've got an investment product. Yeah, it's not like BlackRock is um, filled with the riskiest investors in the world. No. You know, these are safe, secure investors, and if they're the ones itching to get a um, a uh, an access and and uh, in in towards crypto, uh, it continues this push towards mainstream adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you don't have the BlackRocks of the world, then you're still playing a bit more on the edges, though it's still getting to the the mainstream adoption but blackrock fidelity and others i mean it's it's all about mainstream adoption Mm -hmm. getting them involved gives the stamp of approval that they've been itching for these these last few years yeah safety trust you know having others and i I think i was going to say you know dip their toe in the water this is so much more than dipping your toe in the water right this is this is a huge investment and it's a huge it's a huge announcement to the industry yeah and just think i mean with 10 trillion dollars let's just i'm rounding up to 10 trillion you put one percent of that into crypto that's a hundred billion (laughs) dollars That's a significant chunk of the total market cap of crypto, and uh, it, you know that. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's just it's a bullish sign. As we don't know what what kind of uh, you know. It, it, I'm sure a lot of the funds will not, will not be touching crypto, but they they certainly sounds like they're they will be doing more there, which will be that's just a bullish sign, no, no doubt about it. Anyway, we are sticking with the sort of digital assets theme today. I'm just I noticed there's a lot of digital asset stuff happening what a surprise Um, yes Yes, indeed okay so this was in the defiant um that's all in other places as well project lithium uh the the dtcc which is a clearinghouse for basically every all stock trades go through the dtcc Mm -hmm. i actually i asked bo earlier have it to have a guess how much volume goes through the dtcc (laughs) on a yearly basis he guessed 150 trillion and it actually, and, I, and that would have been a pretty reasonable guess. I would have probably guessed something similar, but two point three seven quadrillion dollars went through the DTCC in twenty twenty one. That is two thousand two thousand three hundred seventy yeah. trillion. Massive. So anyway, Project Lithium is a CBDC prototype because, as we all know, when there's this T plus two settlement, which means it takes two days to settle just about any trade, which is Going back to the, you know, when it was done by paper in the 70s and uh, we don't need a two-day settlement, but, you know, they've, they've, got to, they've got to sort of run these pilots. And I was thinking with that much money flowing around, if you can go down from two days to one to, to, to you know, in, in real-time settlement, that's just got to, that's got to be a huge boost to economic growth with $2.37 quadrillion flying around this system. So, you know they're they've, they've they're hiring the digital dollar project um, who, who have um, really actually was the former um, former head of the CFTC is uh, is actually running that so at the Giancarlo yeah Giancarlo yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly so they are building a prototype I mean to see if they can move and it's like interesting they're calling it a CBDC prototype um, uh, to to see if they can actually move this stuff into real time yeah I mean it's all about figuring out ways to move money as fast as 
as possible, which also, you know, in some ways is, is, you know, if done correctly, cuts down on fraud and, and, and other issues. Um, though we see with real-time payments today, there's the, the real-time payment mechanism, and then there's the kind of settlement on the back end. But, uh, you know, again, talking about kind of where we were with the BlackRock conversation, all this stuff that's happening just means huge advancement for the industry overall. Just think where we were pre-COVID mm-hmm. to where we are today. And I think I've said this recently on one of our new shows. It's, it's no longer an if. It's just a matter of when right. most of this is adopted in, in some ways. Now, it'll take longer to unwind some crappy and old technology. That's fine. Either way, there's this inevitability now that something along these lines is going to be adopted the big question for me, and I think the CFPB was talking about this recently, is really interoperability. Is mm-hmm. Can you get it on the same chain? Does it all have to be different? How do they work together? How does settlement happen when it's all these different chains, private and public? And um, it's, you know, there's a lot still to be worked out. But there's there's no shortage of, of innovation happening. Uh, and the faster that money moves, the more it's quickly settled in real time, the better it is, the more cost efficient it is, and ultimately safer uh, the system eventually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that it's, it's also a bit more than just the money movement. It's also the transaction processing all along. So there's a lot of players in the way in the DTC through the years. They're kind of the custodians. And they're making sure that all the trades match and all, and all of that. There's been so much innovation. I want to I want to just kind of tell a quick story. Sure. Um, early in my career, I used to work at Merrill Lynch and also Union Bank of Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And it must have been like I don't want to I want to say like ninety six, ninety seven. One of those firms bought a small broker deal, dealer in Johannesburg, South Africa. So I was sent there along with the team to kind of check things out and help with the integration and see how they do things. Do you want to know how securities were traded, cleared, and settled? <laughs> On paper? I kid you not. Oh my As God. we saw a trade, the guy got up, went over to a cabinet, pulled out a paper certificate, <laughs> put it in a backpack, put the backpack on, and went to his 10-speed bike downstairs, and he rode his bike I don't know, five or 10 minutes away to then clear that trade. Um, so that, you know, that's a bit of an anomaly, but I just thought I'd share that story because that not crazy. that many people have insight into that. And that was in the late nineties. Granted, it was Johannesburg, South Africa, and it might've been a strange security that they were trading. Um, but that just gives, gives a sense as to just how far we've come. Yeah. Well, I remember I mean, just before we, I remember back, uh, when I was a young kid, on TV they showed the um, the stock trading in Australia and the Australian Stock Exchange in Sydney was done with chalk and a chalk, and they would write up the trade, <laughs> then they would uh, make note of it on a pencil piece of paper, and then do it anyway. Yeah. We well, well, back only to the Robinhood issue of you know what was that a little over a year ago, and yep. the the main issue there was putting up the collateral and the money until things settled. Yep. yep. And if you don't need to do that, it doesn't put some of these companies, especially like fintechs and, and more innovative players, in this bind to come up with $4 billion in capital at the drop of a hat. Yeah, they wouldn't have had to do that um, exactly. if they had real-time settlement. Okay. 
Let's move on. Um, staying with crypto, uh, we are talking about MoonPay, um, and they've been in the news a bit lately, and they are in the news this week because they have like just A-list celebrities, many, many. They have 60 A-list celebrities who are putting in equity investments into their company, totaling $87 million, real money. Justin Bieber, Gwyneth Paltrow, Aston Kutcher, just to name a few. There's, uh, you can go and um, if you look at the CNBC article, it does list several others more. Of course, there's Snoop Dogg and Paris Hilton, Matthew McConaughey. Boy, this goes on. They are really, um, they, these are, this is actually an add-on to their funding round they did uh just a few months ago. And yeah, 555 million. Yeah, 555. This is another $87 million add-on, but they're getting these celebrities to put in real money. I mean, I know for a lot of these celebrities, a million dollars isn't very much, but um, it's still real money where they are, you know, they don't obviously have to. What, what was fascinating to me about this article is the CEO was saying that, yeah, we went out and asked all these people. Hardly anyone said no. Pretty much everyone said mm-hmm. yes. So. They all like it's like celebrities and crypto. It's just become this kind of marriage that uh, I, I mean, I certainly didn't see coming. There's, I no. looked. Go ahead. I looked. In, I looked into this a little bit, and um, what I noticed, or at least what I what I read, was that they very quietly introduced something called uh, the MoonPay Concierge Service at the end of 2021, which essentially is was a referral service. Not everyone could sign in, but it was a white glove. Um, service to help high net worth individuals um, kind of purchase all these digital assets because it can be quite complex um, at the beginning. So it's very high touch, very white glove. Um, and a lot of these celebrities, and in fact, uh, Jimmy Fallon was one of the beta, one of the beta users. And I think, oh. and I think all of these players um, have kind of experimented with that. I looked at um, what Gwyneth Paltrow does on her, on her Twitter and she even thanked MoonPay concierge because she's, she's doing the board ape NFT. Right. Um, so I think MoonPay has really helped pave the way in a very, very smart way with the industry to really show a lot of creativity and fun. And it's, it's current. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how quickly crypto has leapfrogged FinTech and, and other things in the market. Because of stuff like this, you don't see Gwyneth Paltrow, you don't see Justin Bieber talking about Lending Club or Prosper or, I mean, there's some that talk about like Step and and a few of the other um, catchy names. Chime is very much in the yeah. uh, the news and, and on advertising, but it's just, like you said, Peter, this marriage of crypto and, and celebrity and crypto and sports and and. and it is really just taking it from like here and just totally leapfrogged fintech when really the adoption and use of fintech is significantly wider right. to the yeah. everyday person. They they don't call it fintech. Right. Um, it's not as sexy. Crypto yeah, seems to be sexy right, right now. Now it is. And um, it, it's fascinating to see. Uh, I don't know how long this honeymoon will last. It's probably got some time to go, but. Uh, you know, it's it's a really fascinating journey uh, on the qu- how quick the adoption really is. Right. Well, some of these companies aren't going to make it. I mean, MoonPay yeah. have done well, but there's there's a very competitive market, and it's obviously not just be one winner. 
but um, they don't, these companies don't have to make money right now. Um, and so they're just, they still attract capital and, you know, MoonPay's whole thing. And I didn't know about that white glove service. That was really interesting, Kim, but their whole thing is about making it easy. Like you can just yeah. pay by credit card, pay by debit card, connect your bank account, whatever way you want to do it. Just, it's a really easy onboard to, to crypto. And I think, uh, you know, everyone's, these, these not, not like most of these A-list celebrities don't know anything about fintech. I mean, some of them do, but you've got Ashton Kutcher, who's uh, very heavily in hand, hands-on in, in fintech, but uh, you, most of them don't. And so they need, they need, if they want to learn, they need someone to hold their hand. And it sounds mm-hmm. like MoonPay, MoonPay organized that. Anyway, let's move on to the next story um, is about, is from Step, which I, we just, you just mentioned, Todd. Step is... Um, a basically a debit card or it's 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 officially a credit card but it acts like a debit card for teenagers we have i have two teenagers in my house and we are step users they have introduced an investing product they actually haven't launched yet we signed up just today for the for the waiting list Um, my daughter who's 13 is very keen to start investing in uh crypto and uh and the stock market so uh we'll um that, that 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 will that will be rolled out here shortly um, interesting. They're using zero hash is their, is their partner for the crypto offerings. And, um, you know, they, are you know, it's, it's, it's the teenagers of today, uh, you know, they talk about NFTs in school, you know, they talk about crypto and they, and, you know, the, they understand this world probably better than your average, uh, well, certainly your average Gen Xer, that's for sure, which is what I am. But, uh, they, um, you know, it, it I think it's anything that can help, teenagers learn about investing i think mm-hmm. i also think the one of the smarter things that crypto has done and it's part of the the movement is it's moved beyond just finance you know it's in oh, nfts God, yeah. which is with art it's in gaming which a lot of kids are uh, and teenagers are in um you know the gaming world yep. and so it's moved beyond just this like the stuck up finance world which many people still view as they don't like to talk about money they don't think it's cool it's made money it's made investing it's made bored apes whatever the the uh, product and avenue it's made it really really cool mm-hmm. um, and i think that's something that banking and, and fintech is the cooler version but it's still not nearly as cool as crypto uh, and I think Step is obviously jumping uh, into that. Zero Hash, shameless plug, is a, a big sponsor at our upcoming USA event. Um, and they're just making it very, very simple on top of it. It's still not an easy process to do mint your own NFT, to get involved in the market. But some of these companies are, are kind of that intermediary to make it simple, um, even though it's it's not fully there yet. Mm-hmm. And I would just also add, I mean, even beyond the crypto piece, which I think is killer, I think that these fintechs that are serving this particular market, I'm, as a parent, jumping up and down at all of this. So my kids, um, I have four of them, and they range between ages 12 through 16. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big user of, I don't, we don't use stat, we use green light. Um, But it's just, I think, so unbelievable teaching children positive and, and prudent cash management practices um, because this is, this, is, this is what's needed for right. them in their lifetimes. And big banks simply can't do it. They simply can't do it. A decade ago, I was going into a big name bank 
with my four kids and all of their coin jars <laughs> with all of their cash and coin and the people in the teller behind me, they wanted to kill me. They were looking at me with daggers with what? all of these kids and deposit slips and coin and the teller behind just wanted to go on break. It was a disaster. Right. Absolutely yeah, disaster. And the kids, the kids resonate with this now. I mean, my, my daughter loves using her step card and, uh, mm-hmm. and again, you're teaching them money management habits. I mean, she's now got a part-time job that she gets her money directly paid into us onto a step right. account. And uh, it's uh it's, it's, it's a great thing to have like everything their money is their money life is managed on an app and that's how yeah. they want it. And it's a really, yeah. it's a really intuitive experience. So my kid, my kid that just walked in behind me, he's uh, he's going to be 16 in about two weeks and that's a whole nother issue for me. <laughs> um, but he's uh, in green light. He has been actively investing. They do not, they do not do crypto at all. In fact, on their right. website, they say that it's too risky, but he's, you know, he's into Apple and Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway and, um, Tesla and all of that. It's, it's wild to talk about, you know, to talk with him about investing. They can can own, they can own a chunk of these companies. Yes. A small chunk. Small chunk. Very small chunk. They're owning the small chunks of the companies that they're using. Apple, Amazon. Yeah. I mean, it makes them feel as if, all right, I have a piece of what I'm using and it, it marries the the relationship even better than just the device or just the Amazon Prime account that drops yes. something at my right. door in you know thirty six hours. Yeah. yeah, I'm wildly bullish. I'm wildly bullish on all of these, and I'm just very grateful that fintechs are coming in to to help the the younger yep. generation. Yep. Yeah, it's, they they are they are they have such an advantage over our generation that uh, grew up without these tools. So. Well, uh, we have the potential to have, you know, financial literacy vastly improved. But anyway, yes. let's move on. Um, I want to talk about FIS and Fireblocks. Uh, we just mentioned. Um, actually, no, we didn't mention. We mentioned Zero Hash, didn't we? The Fireblocks is another is another sponsor, sponsor of ours. <laughs> uh, and FIS, obviously, core banking, uh, 6,400 clients, uh, you know, traditional banks and credit unions, obviously. Um Fireblocks uh, is basically enables um, you know crypto trading and enabling DeFi, bringing DeFi to in, to the institutional De- institutional DeFi, which in some ways is an oxymoron, but it is. Uh, <laughs> um, but there is the possibility that if if this really takes off, the institutions are going to be are going to want to be involved, and Fireblocks and FIS are going to make that happen. It's a genius move to go to the technology provider that the banks are already comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And if you partner with them, then the banks are assuming, all right, if you're partnering with our core provider, then you're safe enough for them, you're safe enough for us and all the banks that are in this network. So it's a genius move to get in with you know thousands of banks you know, pretty easily. Um, and it's just another uh, partnership that's bringing crypto to traditional FI and will only make the regulators have to put the correct guardrails around it sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially, it's it's the market's already moved, and the regulators are going to have to come in behind and say, all right, here's here's how far you can go, and here's the true guardrails, especially if thousands of banks are now adopting it this quickly. Mm-hmm. I feel there's there's a part of – I have a lot of questions with – all of this. And I think that it's just my experience working with FIs in the field of know your customer and AML. 
Um, so, you know, the whole notion of, of having a white listed um, set of participants, I think is super intriguing, but getting that step to be white listed and approved and vetted um, I just have a lot of questions there. I'd, I'd love to learn more. Yeah, about the it. devil's going to be in the details. That's right, Kim. Because I mean, but these banks are not going to touch anything without full no. KYC AML. That uh, is correct. Yeah, and I mean, Five Locks obviously realize that, and they're bringing that sort of. They're going to. They you can see, that. there's like the, the the two avenues are are in crypto right now. There's the KYC, the Fire Blocks, the Gemini, the Zero Hash way, and then there's like the Uniswap. Um, you know, the Binance, the, the, the other way, which is, you know, anonymity and, and all about DeFi and uh, just your wallet address and um, no KYC and fully KYC, just a more efficient way to bank. And it's kind of like DeFi slash KYC and then DeFi at its core. Right. Right. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. We only have. We don't want to get to this one last story. We had one. This has nothing to do with with crypto or digital assets whatsoever. <laughs> we have uh, the CFPB. You found one of those stories. <laughs> we we start we started and ended with uh, with stories that nothing to do with crypto. So, um, TransUnion has been is being sued by the CFPB for deceptive marketing practices. Um, they were also they had a settlement in 2017 around marketing practices and the and the CFPB are claiming that they are an out of control repeat offender. That's an exact quote from the head of the CFPB. Um, TransUnion, of course, say that the lawsuit is meritless and uh, you know, the company has a consumer first approach. But uh, you know, I'd I'd love to get your thoughts, Kim, of uh, how you what what do you think there's anything here? Uh, well, first of all, um, I've been involved in several class action lawsuits as an expert witness. And, and even before that, looking and going through depositions and, you know, orders and, and all of this. And whenever you see a lot of stuff in black and white, they always make the other side look like incredible, you know, evil people <laughs> that all that they've been put on this earth was to defraud and lie and steal. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I read some of the things um, in this press release, um, you know, talking about out of control and unwilling or incapable of operating its businesses lawfully, I kind of look at it. It's like so unfair. <laughs> it's just so unfair. It's scathing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you want to hear from the other side. Um, so this kind of words I've, I've seen before. I just think it's it's unfortunate that it's so out in the public eye um and i don't know what transunion's response is going to be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay todd, todd any last thoughts yeah i mean there's, there's probably something there but it's probably not nearly the right. story that the cfpb is i mean it's politics that you know the cfpb is a government agency and they need to get leverage one way to get leverage is to drop the hammer like this if TransUnion is willing to fight it out, they probably end up with like a you know no fault, some sort of penalty, and and it's infinitely smaller than where it is today. But they're playing the game. Yeah. yeah. The one thing that I think does make sense is his his communication, kind of saying that he's also establishing a dedicated unit to right. kind of look at previous. Um, previous issues just to make sure that the companies are addressing them. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, that's all we have time for. Um, Thank you very much, uh, Todd and Kim. Thank you to the audience for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Before I sign off, before I sign off, a reminder, Lender Fintech USA, um, Kim's going to be there. Todd's going to be there. I will be there. I'm so excited. You need to be there too. Yes, you need to be there too. It's in New York City, May 25th and 26th. Go to lender.com. Go buy a ticket. Yep. And then reach out. I'm going to be there. We'd love okay. to see you guys there. Great. Thank Thanks, you. everybody. Thank you, Peter. Thank we'll you, Todd. Same time next Thank week. You. See ya. Bye.